Designer Gap Year 2022 edition. I am feeling so very grateful to be able to continue delivering this podcast to you. For those who are new to listening to this podcast, thank you for coming along and listening. And for those who have listened to the podcast before, thank you for your continual support. I'm excited to see where things go this year, particularly because I'm in a different space now with having uh, been through uh, burnout and come out the other side in a lot better space. Uh, So yeah, things are changing in, in terms of where this podcast will go not quite sure yet. For those who are new, uh, the podcast was born out of my own uh, experiences of burnout that hit its peak uh, early last year. And when the podcast went live in June 2021, I was going through my recovery period. And something that I learned very early on uh, that helped support me in my recovery was sharing and hearing other people's burnout experiences. It helped me not feel so alone or or at all shameful for my experience. Uh, it just helped normalize things. And I learned things off, off uh, others when they shared their experiences and what helped them cope or not cope. So yeah, I learned the value of the importance of hearing other people's stories, but also sharing my own. So the podcast is basically that. It's uh, hearing other people's uh, burnout to recover experiences and, and me last year sharing my own in a couple of episodes. This year, things may change. I'm not sure yet. Uh, we are continuing and I'll always include the sharing of other people's experiences of burnout to recovery. Uh, so that will always have a place on this podcast. Love to hear your um, thoughts about what you think should be on the podcast. So feel free to leave comments, uh, to email me uh, your ideas. But enjoy this episode and thank you very much for listening. different kind of gap year brings you the story of a young woman who experienced burnout at a young age during her high school years which is around the age of 16 and 17. I'll let her share with you her story of course but what I will stress to you is that any person of a same age or parents or caregivers of children of this age I really encourage you to to listen to her story Her story has so much wisdom that we can all learn from. Actually, even teachers, I really encourage you to listen to this. So grab a cup of tea, cup of coffee, sit back and listen. You will not regret it. And thank you for listening. Hi, Talia, and welcome to A Different Kind of Gap Year. Hello, thank you. Thank you for your willingness to to come on to this podcast and, and share your burnout experience with uh, my listeners. No, I'm so excited to be here. I feel like sharing your experience is what helps others and also helps yourself process it. So I'm very, very excited to the chance to just talk about it a little bit more and talk through it a little bit more. 
Fantastic, Talia. Like you took the words right out of my mouth as well. That, that, <laughs> that sharing each other's experiences not only help ourselves to process it, and I'm glad that that's something that you're keeping in mind with, with sharing this experience um, mm-hmm. here on a different kind of gap year, but that, yeah, sharing can help others. It's so compassionate on your part to, to want to do this mm-hmm. to help others as well. So thank you. So let's, yeah, get into it. Um, So would you be able to just start by telling us a little bit about the lead up to your experience of burnout, Um, sort of setting the scene for what you were doing in your life at the time? Mm. Yeah, for sure. So I have just graduated high school and I would say that definitely all of grade 12, I was burnt out and Mm. probably part of grade 11 as well, but I didn't really fully realize it until then. Mm. But my whole life, I was just this huge overachiever. Everyone knew me as someone bubbly and kind who was always lending a helping hand, always involved in everything, always got the best grades, was involved in every leadership opportunity, super fit and healthy, worked in a cafe like nine hours on the weekend, basically Mm. just did everything all day, every day. And from about when I was 12 years old, people would look at me and say, be careful, you might get burnt out, be careful. Mm. And my dad would always say, you're burning the candle from both ends, Talia. But I was like, but I'm having fun. I want to do all of these things. I'm enjoying this. Like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Mm. I'm fine. And I think to a large degree, I was at the time. But in hindsight, you always look back and realize that you should have been resting more or should have been relaxing more. And Yeah, I think that's basically the large scene, but I would just, I would wake up and do exercise, go to school, come home, study, sleep, wake up, do it over and over again. And I never had any hobbies. I never did any fun things. And people would always ask, well, what are your hobbies? And I would say, well, I really like working at the cafe or I really like babysitting. And I'm like, that's not a hobby. And so I just realized that I didn't have any fun in my life. I wasn't doing anything. And I was just trying to be everything to everyone and working so hard because I believed that if I was doing something, I had to put 100% of my Mm. effort into it. Otherwise it wasn't worth doing and that I had to give my best to everyone always. And so that was definitely, I mean, you can see how easily Mm. and evidently that would lead to burnout quite quickly. Mm. Yeah. Oh, Talia. Wow. Just to hone in there about the experience itself, like the burnout went, When did you notice? You said that was around year 12. And what did you notice? Like, what were the signs that, okay, maybe what everyone's telling me is true? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think looking back, like I always, I always had Sunday night blues. I know that's like what they call it, dreading school the next day. And I always had end of holiday blues. So the last week of holidays, I'd just be super depressed, super moody, just anxious to go back to school. And through my experience of burnout this year, I read that that was often like a, a sign of something not quite being right or like you, you shouldn't be dreading your life or dreading having to go to work or to school considering that is such a large part of your life. And mm. so I can notice those things happened throughout my whole life. And also on a similar note, I would always, the second, the last day of the last week of the term of school, I would get sick straight after that and mm. almost, and I would spend most of my holidays just like with a, with a cold, just kind of sick in bed recovering which again, looking back, you know, is a sign of burnout or just a sign that your body is so run down. But the issue yeah. for me was what you were saying. I, I loved everything that I was doing. And so people would say, you need to cut something out. You need to slow down. But I didn't want to cut everything out mm. because I was enjoying everything so much. Mm. And I remember breaking down, just crying 
at the start of 11, grade 11 one day. So I think, yeah, so that's even earlier. And um, I was just like, I'm just so stressed. I'm so overwhelmed. Like, I feel like I'm doing everything for everyone. But then when I need something from them, they're not there for me. Or like, I feel like people can always rely on me, but I don't know who I can rely on. I'm just so busy and overwhelmed. And my friend said to me, Talia, you can do anything you want, but not everything. And that was the first time I'd kind of heard that and realized that separation. It's like, that's a really important takeaway for me to have. And I've kept that with me. So I guess all of those little signs to answer your question were leading up. But then grade 12, it wasn't even an end of grade 11, start of grade 12. It wasn't even a sign. I just did not want to get out of bed. I couldn't get out of bed. I just cried at everything. I could hardly, like, could not make it through a day of school without having an anxiety attack or calling home, crying. I'm such a patient, calm person, but I would just arc up at people and small things they said or, yeah, just things like that. It's it's not even like I needed to look for signs of burnout. It's just I was struggling to operate and do the bare minimum and get through each day. So it's very, very... Very obvious from early grade mm. 12. So, yeah, so Talia, um, it's such a, a huge and hard thing to go through when, it, yeah, mm. it sounds like your uh, body and mind just gave out. Like it was it was done. It yeah. wasn't a sign. It was a clear, like, halt, like c- complete mm-hmm. stop in, in that moment. Mm. might have really answered this question already, but I'm just wondering at the time the impact that had, you know, in year 12 yeah. on your life around you and, and school, but, you know, just everything that... Yeah, you couldn't even get out of bed. Uh, the, the, yeah. the yeah, all of that. What, what effect did it have? I mean, it was it was so tough, as you can imagine, mm. and I know a lot of people listening have probably experienced. But mm. everything about who I was and what I was able to do completely changed. I used to be this strong, independent, resilient, go getter, happy positive person and suddenly I was like crippled with anxiety didn't want to leave bed felt incapable of doing anything all of this so it was and I and I didn't know why and I didn't know how to change it I didn't I I'm someone who loves to problem solve and fix a situation and get better and so I hated that there wasn't really any direct steps I could take other than kind of just time and like giving myself grace so I it was so hard to know that I couldn't just fix something and so I just felt so hopeless in amongst that but then for the people around me to see this huge change in my personality it was quite terrifying for them a lot of them have said and that it was just as you can imagine like very hard to watch someone change so much but I think it was particularly difficult in grade 12 because the reason I was so burnt out was because of how hard I had been working at school and also other aspects of my life. So for every year of my life, I've gotten straight A's at school. And then for in grade 12, because of that, I felt incapable of doing study or focusing in class or paying attention. So then it was also scary because I was like, well, if I can't even, and I kept on saying finish strong or get good grades in the final year or end high school well, then it's made all the other years that have led to my burnout not worth it. It kind of felt. Mm-hmm. It's like if I've worked so hard and done well every year of my high school life other than the year that it actually counts, that also was just really hopeless and really mm-hmm. scary and frustrating and I couldn't really do anything to change that either. So it was hard to wrestle those things because I knew I knew that working hard and pushing myself to the absolute max was no longer well, was never healthy for me. Mm. But at the same time, this was the one year where it actually would have been helpful to be able to do those mm. things. So my life did just get completely flipped on my head and the life of those around me as well. It was crazy. 
Yeah, like, uh, yeah, I can hear that the impact was, yeah, a ripple effect on your relationships, mm-hmm. on yourself, of course, and your health and well-being, and even on on what you, your personality you mentioned, you know, yes. and, and on your, you know, your usual way to grapple things and do things is to, you know, mm-hmm. go in there gung-ho, work hard, and, and you didn't have yeah. that anymore because you were burnt out, as you can see mm-hmm. now. I think you answered this question as well. Like at the time you didn't know this this syndrome called burnout, did you? You didn't you well, didn't know I actually what, oh, did. Yeah, tell me, yeah, tell me. It, so because I'd heard people say it to me growing up okay. and Dad would always say you're burning the candle at both ends and I started saying this year, yes, I was burning at both ends and I gave half of it away. I found it helpful to explain to people. Mm. I was like, it's not, I'm not just burning my candle at both ends. Like I'm not just working hard. I've also given so much of my energy and patience to other people. But um, I had heard the term burnout. And actually at the time, my mum also took a few weeks off work for stress leave. So the terms and the phrases and all of that kind of Uh, conversation was already happening within our household and so I very much I knew how to express it but if anything I felt I felt that other people didn't take me seriously I would say I was burnt out and people would say oh it'll just rest for a week and you'll be better or just take some time off and I was like this is a much longer term issue than just having a week off work or just not going to school for a couple of days I felt other people almost invalidated how much pain and stress and tiredness was encompassed encompassed in that word burnout but I was and so I had to push for people to use that word for me if that makes sense Um, but I'm not even sure what your initial question was if I knew that word yes I did know that word yeah, no, you know, you answer that. Yeah, you were aware of the burnout. And as you had mentioned already, uh, yeah, that, that that term was used there um, by your dad and, yeah. and what you added there with your mum and her experience. So the term was there. Mm-hmm. But what was the struggle was that what people thought and would impart to you about how to overcome that didn't match what you actually needed, what the severity of your burnout. Yeah. What kind of impact did that have, people not understanding that depth just on you and being able to recover and to step through that yeah I mean it's it's quite irritating and I also I think a lot of people who do become burnt out part of the reason behind that is they're probably not invalidating their own emotions or Mm. giving themselves compassion and allowing themselves to rest and feel validated and you can allow themselves to take care of themselves and so I think then other people invalidating that phrase for myself meant it was even worse because I already struggled to invalidate my own emotions. That makes sense. And then on similar note, a lot of what I really struggled with through that time, I said it before, kind of not knowing what to do, but it was, it was so difficult because I was like, I need to graduate. I've come so far. I need to finish the school year. I can't just take a few months off. I can't take stress leave. I can't take four or five or six weeks off school. And so I just felt like there was nothing that I could do to get better in that time other than just wait it out painfully for the rest of the year. And so that was what was really difficult as well. I was like, I can't do what I know I need. I can't just have a break and stop doing everything I need to push through, but I'm just going to continue to get worse until I graduate basically. And so grappling with that as well, being like, there's truly, it felt at least, and maybe there were other options. It felt just there was no way out because I just had to finish high school. Yeah. I just had to get it done because I was already in it and I'd already started. And so that was yeah. where the real hopelessness I think came from and just the real desire for freedom. Like I just wanted to be able to get out of there. 
but I felt like I there was nothing I could do yeah so I can I can hear that 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 hopelessness that you must have felt during that or not must have felt you did feel during that time of not having a choice but to painfully walk through that year and get to the end of it Mm -hmm. was there anything along the way that helped support you throughout the year yeah I dropped us I dropped a subject so I went down to five which is all I needed to still get an ATAR and that helped a lot it meant I had a spare throughout the week and just a little bit more time I cut back a lot of my cafe shifts and cafe hours and work which was also hard because I was like well that's the one time of the week where I'm so busy and my mind is so focused on making the smoothies and the juices that I don't have a chance to think about school. So it was kind of a double-edged sword cutting that back because in a way it acted as a distraction, but it also made me more tired. But anyway, I dropped a subject was a huge thing. I was involved in a lot of leadership and I just would put my hand up a lot. I'm like, I'm really struggling. I can't do this event. I can't help organize this. But I also think huge thing that helped me. And again, double-edged sword because it was part of the reason I was so burnt out. But because I did have such great study habits and such great assignment skills and things from working so hard the previous years, I could still complete my schoolwork with a lot less energy and effort because I knew exactly what they wanted from me and exactly how to already do things. So I knew how to study really effectively and use up the least of my energy and time and still get things done. So those were things that if I hadn't have done that, I don't think I would have been able to still hand in my assignments and things like that. But I also if I didn't have those skills, probably wouldn't have been so burnt out. So a yeah. bit of a struggle. But at the end of the day, it was just taking it a day at a time and doing my best and trying to get through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love how uh, you made choices within that difficult uh, yeah. option that you, you was only that you could only see that you could do, which was finish year 12 and keep going with it, that mm-hmm. you made choices to help support you during that year and choices that had a, a, a a negative impact as well in terms of taking away uh, you mentioned their double-edged yeah. swords so taking away something that uh-huh. was actually helping as well but making those hard decisions within that that uh, you know choice to to stay with year 12 uh, to get mm-hmm. through um, amazing on, on your part the strength that you've shown there was there anything uh, you know that you found didn't help I know you've already talked to the you know, ex- I always kind of call it like external supports, people where they uh, you would say to you, you know, you just need a couple of days off, you know, that they're not mm-hmm. understanding the depths of your struggle with burnout or the depths of burnout just in general, like how, yeah. how impactful that is. It's not just a solved by a couple of weeks off. Yeah, well, it, was there anything else either on your part or, you know, things that you were doing or, or other people were doing that didn't help? It's an interesting question. The first thing that comes to mind, which is, again, quite, it's quite small, but thinking about a lot of people would say, so I might talk to my friends, I did like, I did nothing yesterday afternoon, I just went home and I slept, I didn't start the assignment, they would say good on you for having a break or good on you for not doing it. Or it was always good on you for taking time off work and things like that, which is good. But I was also like, it's it's actually not a choice. I didn't choose to not do the assignment. I I didn't choose to come home and sleep all afternoon. I was just incapable of doing anything else. And so thank you for encouraging me to rest. But at the same time, you treating it like a choice mm-hmm. invalidates, in a sense, how tired I am. Like the fact that you thought I even had another option. But again, I know that unless you've experienced it, you're not going to truly know the depths of how that feels and how incapable you are of kind of doing anything other than sleeping, which is fair enough. Yeah. And 
I feel like I think just my own deeply ingrained ideologies about the harder you work, the more worth you have or you need to be a high achiever to be successful and you need to go to university to be successful and you need to do all of these things. Those, my own ingrained values and beliefs that I'd always had and held to and that were so deep and I didn't realise how damaging they were. That was definitely the huge things that mm. impacted me a lot and led made it hard for me to just rest and let myself heal because I was still trying to fight against that and still mm. trying to fit into kind of society's expectations or the high school's expectations of me to still succeed and do really well, even yeah. though all I felt capable of was rest. And so then I just felt so guilty the whole time or I was so mm. mad at myself for all the things I wasn't doing. So that was definitely not helpful throughout that time. Yeah, yeah. You named a a number of things there that, yeah, wasn't helpful and things outside your control as well, like Mm -hmm. meaning how other people responded uh, to your experiences. I can hear you there seeing that they didn't didn't have the knowledge or awareness, so it's Mm -hmm. not their fault either. But that this is what's great about you coming on and sharing your story and, and people talking more about this. Hopefully that will help bring an understanding to others about the depths of yeah. this, of this uh, condition, this you know, burnout and that experience, you know, developing mm-hmm. people's knowledge will help them be able to support us uh, or support yeah. people in, in going through this better. Tell me a little bit more about that, that expectation of others in terms of achieving and fulfilling that. Yes. Uh, yeah. What, that did to you or how that impacted you yeah well negatively impacted me yeah so like I said I always I was a straight straight A student worked super hard got full marks on lots of my assignments just very much at the top and yeah I say that obviously not to brag or show up just be like I worked hard and I also was very interesting because I never felt that I was smart because it didn't come easily to me. I was like, if everyone else worked as hard as I was working, you could also get really good grades. And so it irritated me when anyone ever called me smart because I because it denied the work that I had put in to get there. And so as part of that as well, because I just had to put so much work in to get every A, it never felt like the A was, was, was rewarding. Mm. I just felt like I had to work hard because that's what you did. You put in your 100% effort into everything. That is just what is expected of you. And I don't know where I got that from. Partially my parents teaching me to work hard, which is a good thing to do, but I just warped it in my brain. And partially the teachers from a young age showing like you get marked for perfect effort and things on your report card. And that was always Mm. just my aim to have perfect effort. But because of that, I would put all my effort into one assignment. I'd get an A. It wouldn't reward me because I just felt like that's what I had to do. And the Mm. second that assignment was done, I would get another one. And so it just felt like I constantly had to be proving myself because there was constantly a new assignment, constantly new a test, and every single one I had to put my all into and do my very best. But from the teacher's point of view, from the principals, from the head of senior schooling, those people who um, obviously want you to succeed and do well, and to them that means highest marks possible, they see a top-tier student, someone who loves learning, someone who's really smart. She must want to go into university. She must want to do as well as possible. So we're going to continue to push her. We're going to continue to teach her how to get that extra mark, how to get that extra point, and we're going to meet up with her fortnightly and give her extra study tips and ask her where she needs additional help. And so I see from their perspective what they're trying to do and what they're trying to achieve. But for me, it makes me feel, well, obviously I'm already not enough. 
I got 99 out of 100, but they're now meeting with me to tell me how I can get that extra point. I'm still not enough. I still need to work harder. I still haven't put enough effort and energy into this. And so those external factors were so challenging. And also because I feel like I'm talking a lot, but they were my friends as well. I really liked my teachers. I really liked these head of senior schools, head of like principals and everyone. And I didn't want to let them down. And so that personal relationship as well made me feel like I had to continue to please them or do well because I knew that they just cared about me. And so I wanted to show them that I appreciated their effort into what I was doing, even though I realized partway through grade 12 that that was actually not what I wanted anymore. And if they want me to be successful, what success means for me now is being happy mentally. And so they need to understand my change of priorities but it was hard to express that and explain that to them because we'd worked so hard towards a different reality for so long. I can really hear you know your parents and your, your teachers that um, all that you know they had your best interests at heart they wanted to support yeah. you but how that also uh, could hear that quite clearly and listeners will as well how that impacted you mentally and mm-hmm. how did those systems respond to that change you know of, of uh, you know uh changing yeah. your workload and I was yeah just wondering how they dealt with that so it was it was quite interesting and the so the largest example was when I was trying to drop chemistry mm-hmm. and when I had made this decision part of the reason I didn't want to drop it was I knew how difficult it would be to convince people to let me drop it and I went to my head of year asking to drop chemistry and it was, why would you want to do that? You know that's going to lower your ATAR. Are you sure? Do I need to bring your parents in and talk to them about this? Are you sure you want to drop your ATAR? Um, all these things. And I, I hated that I had to prove how much I was struggling to them for them to allow me to drop a subject. I was like, I shouldn't have to convince you that I'm burnt out and depressed and struggling for you to allow me to drop this subject. And I didn't want to have to go through that process of proving myself when, that, when it's my decision to make. And I just distinctly remember him saying, we'll call your parents. We'll make sure that everyone is happy with this decision. Like I'll talk through it with the head of year and we'll check like how it will impact your ATAR and those things. And I was like, no, this is my decision. I know I'm happy with this. It doesn't matter if anyone else is happy with it. This is what is right for me. And I'm amazed that I had the strength to do that because I'm a huge people pleaser and I don't usually talk back so pointedly to people Mm -hmm. but I think because I had known and seen that coming I had prepared what I wanted to say and prepared my stance point and I knew I did not want to be in a room in a room with him and my parents and all these people again talking about me dropping a subject when it really was nobody else's decision Mm -hmm. but I feel like I'm portraying him in a really bad light when I know that again he was just caring for what he thought my best interests were Mm -hmm. and it's a tricky balance but I yeah, it was um, it was hard and the support wasn't necessarily there mm-hmm. at the beginning, but I think over time they understood where I was coming from and realised what my priorities now mm-hmm. were. And towards the end of the year, I did feel more support in those areas, which was good. It's really beautiful of you, Tully. You can see the adults in your life having your best interests at heart. It just wasn't meaning what you needed and that yeah. gap. And it's no one's a villain in yeah. this story. It's just we're all, I like to think we're all doing our best with what we know and what we have. But we learn through it. Exactly. Yeah, often we learn through adversity about what it might need to change, both the person who are present in your adversity and the person themselves like yourself. But, yeah, and um, and it sounds like, yeah, over the year that they became more um, understanding or, or could see that, you know, what you needed was what was going to work yeah. for you. Yeah. Uh, but such a huge, and I hear you there, like you were saying, that 
you can't believe or these are my words but can't believe where that strength yeah. came from you know with because you're such a people pleaser you know mm-hmm. and uh that you stood up there and said no this is what I need um, and this is mm-hmm. what's going to happen and and was able to do it but not without a lot of yeah uh struggle and anguish there but but got there in the mm-hmm. end so well done you um definitely and yeah. I was wondering sounds like you definitely talked out to others about what was going on for you whether out of necessity you know to to be able to like change yeah. the subject that's definitely or, what it was <laughs> oh was out of necessity because that's what I was gonna say like yeah. who did you reach well, out to who did you talk to <laughs> whether professionally well, part- or personally yeah partially mm-hmm. out of necessity but partially out of what we were saying before how people would be like so good on you for having a rest they would be like good on you for putting your hand up or thank you for being so vulnerable it's like I I'm not vulnerable because I cried I just could not hold back the tears mm. like I I yeah me choosing to cry in front of you right now and say how much I'm struggling yeah. wasn't a choice I just couldn't not like and I remember once so I was one of the school captains and we were having a meeting with the principal and she had known that I was struggling a little bit I think she had just picked up on some things I said and so she got us some children's storybooks, which was really sweet. And we were reading through them. And one was all about how it's like your kindness that matters more than anything else, these sorts of things. And like grades don't matter, whatever. And I just started crying. And I was like, I'm just so annoyed because this is the first time we've ever heard this message. And I, I wish I knew this or I wish I had could have been kinder to myself. And everyone was like, good on you for being vulnerable. Good on you for sharing in that moment. It's like I, it was just out of necessity. I couldn't not cry. Like I couldn't not squash that down any longer it was impossible to hold it in I like I had no control over my emotions or my ability I was just so tired so partially out of necessity partially out of inability to not do that Mm. but yeah my parents all explicitly knew my um, friends all knew most of my teachers knew and I started seeing a psychologist as well so Mm. most people around me had a pretty fair idea of what was going on yeah, and like you said, because that was where you're at. It wasn't a choice. You, it, it was moments yeah. like the one you just example that you just gave before, where those emotions just came out, the the words came out, and so it was more. It was there, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. so exactly. it came out. So people knew around you because of that. And then you mentioned there you that you you did see a psychologist as well. Was that something that you was that your choice or? Yeah, well, tell, tell us a little yeah. bit about well, that. Yeah, well, a bit of if that's okay. <laughs> I had, yeah, yeah, of course. I had talked when I first started coming home, just crying, breaking down each day. Parents like, maybe we should consider a psychologist, like if this, if you don't feel better in a week's time or whatever. And then um, I was like, okay. And again, I, I like to be independent. I didn't want to label it. I didn't want to label it as anxiety or burnout or depression. Like I just, I, I wanted to feel whole and feel like I wasn't struggling kind of. So I was like, well, if I see a psychologist, then it's confirmed that I'm struggling. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's also, seeing a psychologist is a very scary thing for the first time. Um, so definitely that fear was very relevant, mm-hmm. very present. Anyway, I came home from school the next day. Mum was like, just letting you know, I've booked you in and you're seeing a psychologist tomorrow. And mm-hmm. I was so annoyed at her but I also knew that she was doing what she thought was best so I felt like I couldn't be annoyed but then also I was so scared so I was just a whole mess of emotions surrounding that Mm -hmm. and mentally preparing myself to see a psychologist tomorrow when I didn't even know that we were like looking for a psychologist or trying that whole process was very scary Mm -hmm. Um, but I think for me more than anything else having a psychologist helped because I knew that 
I was trying something different. Like nothing changes if nothing changes. And in this situation, one thing that I was changing to get better was seeing a psychologist. When I was struggling one week, I was like, well, at least I have an appointment on Friday. Like at least I know I'm doing something for myself to make this better. Even though I feel so helpless and I feel like the situation can't change, I know I am doing different things and making different steps Mm. to help get better, if that makes sense. Oh, definitely. So despite the fears, as you share quite elegantly there to the listeners about the yeah the fears that you had around seeing a psychologist and yes it's uh yeah I, I agree one of the scariest things to, to do to be in that yeah. chair at the same time there was a, a yeah a part of you a big part of you that knew something needed to change and so that was driving you towards yeah. that and it sounds like it continued to drive you as well to to go you know to continue For to sure. go so yeah well done you like it was <laughs> engaging with something that you fear you know that that takes a mm-hmm. lot of a lot of guts a lot of courage so well done um yeah. as well and thank you I just, yeah just just going back to what you were saying about mm-hmm. uh, you know the I use the word system sometimes but like education our, our family network yeah. and the expectations there what do you think can be done or to help to at this level, particularly maybe the education, you know, how they could mm-hmm. assist or change to be able to better assist someone <laughs> who or even to prevent burnout, <laughs> let alone to assist someone who's going through burnout? Like what changes the system could make to the educational yeah. system can make to, mm-hmm. yeah, to help here? It's so it's so hard to know. I, mm. And a lot of it comes down to the curriculum. It's just so full and jam-packed. It has to be, you have to be constantly on and it has to be constantly on and that's not the teacher's fault or the principal's mm. fault or anyone's fault. And that's a common theme across every school, just the curriculum getting more and more stressful. People, mm. I know of people that graduated maybe four or five years ago saying what you learn in grade nine is what we learned in grade 12, things like that. It's just getting harder and more full on and more gen packed. And that's something that obviously will impact. But I think something that's really quite interesting is that it's very different depending on what type of student you are, which I guess makes sense. But hmm. because I was a high achiever, the only kind of options that were presented to me from high school to university, whereas if you're more of a BC student, you get People talk to you more about different options. You could do TAFE. You could have gap years. You're a CB student. Obviously, you just want to pass. You just want to do decently. That's fine. We won't put pressure on you. Whereas if you're an A student, obviously, you want to do well. Obviously, you want to go straight to university and become a lawyer or whatever. Obviously, you want us to help you do as well as possible and achieve as highly as possible. So I think the people in my grade who were those top A students had a very different experience than the kind of more middle range students because the pressure was just so different and that's something that really annoyed me as well as like just because I'm doing well doesn't mean that this is what I want for my future and I think that's kind of a mindset that can change but that Mm. also would be different in different schools so I don't know how that's worked but I would like to think that my experience and the conversations that I had with the principals and head of years and things they now know that for other students that come through Mm. that might be more similar to me but I, yeah, it's a good question and I, I have no idea because it's such a large scale kind of problem and it, I don't know, lots of different stakeholders in it. Exactly. I suppose, yeah, there's not one particular answer and, and not one person yeah. is going to have all the answers as well. And I often think if people adopt more of a curious nature with others, so like you yourself as a student with the teachers and the, uh, the faculty there being curious, what does this person need rather than fitting 
what they think based on your marks that you need. You know, being a little bit more curious can help shift uh, a person's mindset to be more helpful for that person, that that could make a difference. Like I think, I if think that's the yeah. big thing. Hmm. So mm-hmm. I was just wondering, Talia, what are the lessons that you've learned out of your experience of burnout? Yes, so many lessons. And you kind of said before about how you have to unlearn things as well. And I think almost unlearning things was what I learned more than learning things, if that makes any sense. Definitely unlearning that my worth is not attached to how hard I work or what I achieve or anything like that. But also really learning what does success mean for me? Because for so long, I thought it meant straight A's or buying myself a car or getting into the best degree or the highest ATAR or all these other things. And that's what everyone else told me success meant as well. But throughout the year, I really sat down with myself and I was like, well, what would a successful life look like for me? Like, what what do I need to do in my life to feel successful? And I realized that so long as I was a community builder, a helper and an encourager in some form, whether that's in my job or outside of my job, then that would make me feel like I had a successful life. And those three words are so different than a certain promotion in a job or a certain figure in the bank bank or a certain ATAR. But I just learned that that's actually what success meant for me. I think that was the biggest lesson I've learned. And that's something that I will take with me through every stage of my life, really sitting with myself and saying, will this make me feel fulfilled? Will this be rewarding? And being honest with yourself about those things. And even though society might tell you that you should do that and it will be rewarding or that is what success means. You have to work out in the long run what will actually benefit me and you have to stick to that and that has been the most crucial lesson ever and I'm so grateful I learned it at such a young age as well. Yeah, such a valuable lesson. I can really hear that shift from almost like material or or achievement-focused gains, you know, goals to more of that is this matching what I value and those three important words that you mentioned there you know the it that means success to you now so grateful that you've come uh to share this with the listeners well who will benefit from your experience and from your learnings mm-hmm. or your unlearnings as you mentioned yeah it's so sure. true it's so true you it's spend a so lot of time true. unlearning which is mm-hmm. learning but unlearning to learn yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and just one more question there and mm-hmm. there was a lot there already but if there's just one thing or a couple of things maybe I'll grant you that you, like wisdoms I always call it or the, you know, that you want to impart or, or leave with the listeners that you haven't shared already with, with us uh, in, yeah. in how, you know, in, in dealing with, with burnout, dealing with what you've experienced, yeah, what that wisdom or yeah. learning would be. I think one thing definitely, and I'm sure a lot of them will have heard this or realised this, but just giving yourself grace and taking it a day at a time and accepting that maybe today all you can do is get out of bed. Maybe today Mm. all your big win is drinking a bottle of water. Maybe it's Mm. writing one sentence of your assignment. And I just really had to force myself to be like, good job for that one small thing. And you felt a bit silly sometimes, but 
it really was hard to just do the small things. So give yourself mm-hmm. grace, acknowledge that it's hard and be proud of yourself for every small step and every small victory mm-hmm. in that process of recovery and healing. And when you're doing yourself and celebrate those small things, because it is really, really hard. I would beat mm-hmm. myself up for not going on a run today or not finishing that assignment. Or I would be like, mm-hmm. yes, Talia, you drank a bottle of water. Yes, Talia, mm-hmm. you wrote two sentences of your assignment. Yes, Talia, you woke up by seven o'clock. And just my mindset flipped so much. Instead of mm-hmm. beating myself up about not doing the hard things, I celebrated myself for the small things, which is just crazy. But so thankful that I've had that mindset shift as well. And again, something I can take with me in my life. And also on that, mm-hmm. I found myself in the midst of the burnout scrolling for hours on my phone which is not healthy obviously and not ideal in the long run but I just kind of knew that that was all I could do at that moment and if that was what was getting me through and in, in, to a degree it's okay and I feel like that's given me so much empathy for other people as well like when you see someone else struggling maybe their coping mechanism for that time isn't the healthiest or maybe there are things they could be doing differently but if they're just doing their best in the moment that they're doing it they probably already know that that's not healthy long term, but don't don't berate them for just scrolling for hours or whatever else their mm. habit might be, sleeping for hours or something. Just know that they are doing their best in the moment. And I think that's given me a lot of grace and understanding for others who are struggling and the coping habits that they might pick up that aren't the healthiest, but are just what they need to get through at the time. And that's okay as well. Mm. And then I think finally, mm. there was something else I had wanted to say. Yeah. And now I can't remember. So what was the question? Any other wisdoms? Yeah, just any other wisdom. Or any uh, as well, is there anything that hasn't come out in your story, uh, your experience of burnout today that you'd like to share with others to help them in going through if, you know, if they are in, you know, in fact going through or, you know, to help prevent, of course. Yeah. yeah. Anything else in your story? Yeah. I think maybe I kind of touched on it, but just accepting where you are so much of it I was annoyed at myself it's like you used to be so happy now you're so negative or you used Mm. to be able to do this now you can't and again instead of beating yourself up just accepting where you are accepting it may take time just taking it a day at a time Mm. and just trusting that you will get better and eventually and it might take a long Mm. time but it is what it is in that time and you can all you can do is your best in the moment that you're doing it and the Mm. rest will have to work itself out and just one other thing that would have made my process a lot earlier easier sorry was if I had realized earlier that it's okay to change and it's part of that unlearning but it's okay it's okay if what I want has changed it's okay if who I am has changed it's okay if suddenly I'm a lot more introverted and instead of trying to fight my old self with who I was becoming and try to kind of resist that change just let myself I just had to learn to let myself grow let myself change and adapt and It was okay if things that I always thought I wanted, whether that was going to uni or just getting really high ATAR or all these other things, even just going out every day and doing things with friends. It's okay if I no longer wanted those things. And instead of trying to force myself to still want those things and still be my old self and live with the same amount of energy and things that I used to have, it was okay to just let myself change. I was allowed, I had to learn to be okay with having new priorities and new focuses and not kind of resisting that so much. And I think if I'd learned that earlier and just let myself and my values change, it would have been so much easier. I love, I mean, I love everything that you, you, you've shared. There's, there's so much <laughs> there. You. There's so much wisdom in a person's uh, experience uh, even mm-hmm. you know, and, and terrible, you know, terrible and horrible experience. You wouldn't wish it on your, on your worst enemy mm-hmm. uh, at the same time. 
it, yeah, so much uh, that has come out of that that you've shared and, and will help others. So, you know, certainly thank you. I'm so glad too that you, you came on the podcast because your story particularly being in that realm of education, which I, I, on mm. my podcast, podcast from uh, to date, haven't looked at but but I I know students uh you know certainly have have been through this are going through this uh both high school university and TAFE whatever like that um burnout can occur in lots of different places and not just in career itself so I'm so grateful you chose to come on as well to be able to share that uh side of burnout um through education through uh yeah high school um those years absolute honor thank you for having me before you go i'd just like to say a big thank you for listening to this episode of burnout a different kind of gap year If you'd like to get in touch to provide some feedback, please do. There's lots of different ways that you can uh, through either the where you're listening or tuning into on the podcast. Sometimes there's facilities there or you can email me at a different kind of gap year at outlook.com. I'm also on the social media pages, both Instagram and Facebook, uh, which is under the handle burnout, a different kind of gap year. If you did like this and or feel like someone else would benefit from listening to this, please share it. Don't keep it to yourself. The more we can talk about burnout, the more we can normalize and validate this experience for all people out there and um, support them in in getting the help that they need. Uh, So that's it from me. Uh, Please subscribe if you'd like to uh, be informed when the next episode releases. But usually it's the first week or two of the month. Uh, so yeah I look forward to bringing you the next episode of burnout a different kind of gap year but until then take care